You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Thursday, Muses Thursday here in New Orleans. We don't have a game, which is really nice to not conflict with that. Um, and before we kind of get into everything with the rest of the show, it is Mardi Gras season. I love Mardi Gras. I will be out for everything, which means... Some of the shows may be a little sporadic. We're certainly going to have a podcast tomorrow and get you set for the weekend. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm not sure what the plan's going to be yet. It might honestly just depend on how I'm feeling um, given that time. But we will still cover things. and There will be at least one, most likely two, during Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I just don't know the dates just yet. And if you're out on the parade out and see me, say hi. I'm pretty friendly. I don't bite, and I love talking Pelicans with everyone. Um, and if you have pictures of yourself in Pelicans Mardi Gras gear, tweet them at me, at Nola Jake, uh, and I'm happy to share those out there. It's just a fun time of year, and we're going to definitely see some Pelicans floats and Zion floats this year. I am certain of that, so it's going to be a lot of fun, but does mean the, Pel- the podcast kind of hits a weird point over the next week or so. But today we got a lot to cover. want to talk a little bit about Zion growing up. He had a great comment over the players and games that his mom made him watch, which I think is very interesting. Let's take a look at Brandon Ingram. We talked yesterday about where we want to see Zion improve. What about B.I., the all-star for the team? Where do we want to see him improve? Is there anything he needs to improve over these final 27 games? And then we'll take a look at the fight for the eighth spot and kind of look at the schedules and everything upcoming with the Memphis Grizzlies and the New Orleans Pelicans over their final games. Is We're going to get a pretty furious finish to the end of the year. It's going to be a lot of fun. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So over All-Star Weekend, Zion Williamson obviously spoke a lot and was a big part of the uh, show with everything going on there in All-Star Weekend and a big centerpiece of all of that. Christian Clark of The Advocate got a great quote from Zion Williamson and Zion said, his mother told him to study three players growing up, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and Michael Jordan. And the quote is, when I got to Jordan, she told me to watch full games, not highlights, watch full games, end quote. I kind of love this one because like, yeah, you cover a lot of ground and positional play in the NBA with Magic, Bird, and Jordan. Maybe slightly more of a big man in there, but I'm sure Shaq probably fit the bill given his age um, to kind of go and watch. But those are obviously three of the all-time best, including maybe the all-time best or one of the two all-time best if you want to put Jordan in the same breath as LeBron James. I personally do. Different debate uh, here. So I think this is really cool. I also love the watch full games, not highlights, because... 
you get a lot of context around things, moves that work and how to repeatedly go after guys or what to repeatedly do or how to get in the flow of a game by watching full games as opposed to highlights. Sometimes you just want to break down a set, but to see kind of how they get into the set, how these guys kind of go about their craft, I think is really great that he spent time watching old film of Michael Jordan. And film study is pretty important, particularly for young guys like this. So even if you're kind of doing it on your own, I think that's really cool for Zion to do that and try and emulate that. When Jordan played, there's a ton of contact. You did not have the same kind of rules and refs and fouls and all of that. You get just hand check dudes all the time. And so Zion, who does get a lot of contact and goes to the line a lot, watching how MJ kind of finished through some of that and what he did with that when the game was very physical, I think is probably was important for Zion growing up and his development as a player because he's someone who kind of faces on a day-to-day base some of those challenges. Brandon Ingram also thinks of film as a very important thing, and uh, this was also over at The Advocate, too, that he is basically in the gym or watching film, and that's it. We do, you know, He doesn't come off as the most like personality-driven guy, like a guy like Josh Hart is, even a guy like you know um, Jackson Hayes or Zion Williamson or Nikhil all have like, kind of more personality than he does. It's just kind of a fact, so... It's, you know, as much as you'd like him to have a personality and like we know him as a person, the fact that maybe he is just kind of like laser focused on basketball and improving, it's not a bad thing to kind of have in your team's superstar, is it? His iPad supposedly has tons and tons of game film on it. He's watching it on the plane. He's watching it on buses. He's basically watching it whenever he's not actually playing basketball, eating and sleeping, though he's probably watching it while he's eating. So these guys all kind of in their own way being film junkies in terms of the NBA, I think is a very, very cool thing. You're seeing the Cavaliers right now who just didn't force out their coach, but that whole thing's a mess if you don't know that story. Um, They didn't like all of the film that they had to watch with him and that he wanted to put them through. And all of the guys here on this team seem to, you know, by all accounts that we've heard, like watching film and want to devour that stuff and use it to get better and improve. It's just good qualities all around. This makes me like Zion even more. Not that that's necessarily a possibility because, I mean, we already love Zion tremendously. Um, But yeah, so I think it's very cool that he dramatically uh, wants to kind of get better and goes and looks at all of these greats and tries to emulate his game after them because that's what these guys should be doing. And it's probably one of the reasons why Zion as a rookie has hit the ground running as well as he has. So we'll get into Brandon Ingram here in a minute, but like I said, the show's going to kind of be sporadic somehow over the next couple of days. Make sure you subscribe to Locked On Pelicans so you'll know when a new episode comes out and you can hear everything that's going on around the team, talking all the topics you want to hear. Subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts from. So Brandon Ingram's been really, really good this year. He's going to potentially be the front runner for most improved player unless Siakam somehow kind of successfully defends that title. And on the season, Ingram is averaging 24.9 points per game, 6.4 rebounds, 4.2 assists, a steal, about a block per game. Um, three turnovers, three fouls. He's doing this on 47% shooting from the floor, 40% shooting from deep on 6.3 attempts, which is very, very good. 86% from the line on six free throw attempts per game. Overall, you can't really complain with any of the numbers whatsoever. It's a great improvement from him. He has looked 
awesome this year. And there's a reason he was in the All-Star game. He's averaging over six more points per game this season while playing less than one minute more per game. So, again, he's been excellent and is having a complete breakout year is going to get a max deal this offseason and be a future stud for the pelicans and oh by the way dude is 22 years old that's pretty cool to see too so he's very good we get that but where can he improve and we've seen and i talked about it a little bit yesterday's game kind of change over the past few weeks with zion back that he's finding a little bit less space to kind of go and attack and score that mid-range game hasn't been there as much for him as it's been and normally we don't like mid-rangers we like him when brandon ingram takes them because he's so good at that that it becomes a good shot when you hit him at the percentage that he is hitting them at so we like his game for the most part it's changed maybe he's being a little bit more of a spot-up shooting threat than we'd like to see for a guy of his caliber. So going forward, I think you want to kind of see some of that aggressiveness come back. If he can get out there and um, try and score a little bit more and get to the rim or take advantage of the fact that this team's going to be in the bonus a lot because of Zion Williamson, I think that is a great, great thing too. He hasn't quite done that yet, though he's getting to the free throw line at a pretty decent clip so far this year, um, over six attempts per game. Uh, I like to see that. So, uh, you know, I think he's improving with it all, but there's room for more, particularly because now you have Zion in, and that kind of changes the complexity and the complexion of everything here. Defensively is most likely where you'd really like to see him improve. For a guy who's basically got an insane 7'1", 7'2", wingspan and 6'7", height, so length kind of everywhere, he hasn't been a great defender out on the court. In terms of the metrics, he grades is slightly below average. Now, he more than makes up for it with the offensive prowess and the offensive scoring, but by any sort of metric, he hasn't been great in there. However... The Pelicans lineups with him out there on the court with Zion and Favors look really, really good. And the defensive rating of those groups is pretty low and would lead the league. So I don't know if this is a huge concern, but I think you'd like to see with that length some more blocks and steals from him overall. And if you look at some of the advanced numbers with him, again, he's averaging less than one per for each of those uh, per game. His block percentage uh, so like kind of blocks he gets when he's out there on the court in terms of like a rating for it is low, to be honest. It's not, not, it's, it's just not very good. He's got a block percentage of just 1.8. Now Jackson Hayes leads the team in 4.6. Uh, Jaleel Okafor's next 3.8 centers tend to have higher ratings in this. Derek Favors is at three and a half. But Kenrich Williams is at 2.2. Drew Holiday is at 2.1. Then you've got Brandon Ingram at 1.8. Nicolo Melli is like right behind him at 1.7. He has room to improve there and to contest shots better. And I don't think he does a great job in general of getting up, getting his hands up and contesting shots in the first place. So I think you'd ra- you'd like to see him be a little bit more active and at least get those arms up to kind of get in shooters' ways and to contest them. That's kind of a big thing. Same for steal percentage. You've got length in those arms. You can poke the ball away on drivers. But because his 
court awareness at times isn't the best defensively. Not that it's great for anyone on this team in the first place. He struggles a little bit with that. He's got a steal percentage of 1.3. Drew Holiday leads the team, 2.2. Lonzo Ball next, 1.9. Josh Hart, 1.8. Then you've got Nicolo Melli, 1.6, and Kenrich Williams, 1.5. Brandon Ingram is tied with each one more, not exactly known as a defensive stopper either. So there's room to basically use his length a little bit more. Now, the offense he gives you, Maybe you don't need to focus on defense as much if you're him because you'd rather use that energy offensively. We've seen that with Drew Holiday where sometimes his offense struggles because he is straight up just locking people down. And then when he tries to take on more of an offensive role, his defense isn't as good because you just only have so much capacity, so much bandwidth basically to go out and be an amazing player all times out on the court. So I think that can be a little bit of an issue with it. I don't think it's a huge deal because these lineups look pretty good, but overall you'd you'd like to, I don't know, something more on that side that makes him kind of jump off the screen at you when you're watching him play defense, which is not what we're seeing right now. And it's okay, but still, we kind of really would like to see all of that. So hopefully he starts to improve with that um, over these final 27 games as this team gets in a groove and maybe kind of slides into their natural roles and we kind of figure out what this team's going to look like. But will remain to be seen. But hopefully we see a little bit of improvement on that side of the ball. We've seen the offensive stuff look great all season long. Now let's get it on the other side of the ball since the Pelicans need their defense to create opportunities for easy offense in transition with them. And that certainly would be a very good way to go about doing it, particularly if he could make more of an impact there in terms of blocks, steals, and just contesting shots and forcing misses. All right, home stretch of the podcast coming up here in just a second. We're going to look at the race for the eighth seed. It is going to be a freaking fight all season long, and I cannot wait for it, or the final 27 games. Meaningful games are very cool. Um, But before we get to all of that again, don't forget, subscribe to Locked on Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday for you all, except during Mardi Gras season. Uh, Breaking everything down that you want to know about this team. It's going to be a fun ride till the very, very end. Tell a friend about the show and please leave a five-star review with a comment when you get a chance that helps the podcast in the rankings and the ratings and all of that and helps keep this free in five days a week for you all. Uh, So I would greatly appreciate it. Plus, it takes like 30 seconds. But most importantly, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. So the playoffs, this is what it all comes down to. The race for the eighth seed, 27 games to get into the postseason after the Pelicans put themselves in a very big hole to start the year. And the fact is, they're going to make this close. I don't think it's going to happen. Others disagree with me, and that's totally fine, too. But the, the fact of the matter is, is it, this is going to come down to probably the final three games before we know if the Pelicans are going to be in or not. That's pretty cool considering they had a 13-game losing streak at one point this season. Just to be in contention, to be in pressure-filled games that matter this late in the year despite that, despite the injuries to Zion and to others, I think is pretty good. You can't really complain all, once you factor in all the things that, that have actually happened out there, this is very cool to me that these young guys, particularly Zion, are going to get to play meaningful games down the stretch. That is important. That adds to development, and it's good that they're getting this now in their rookie years. 
um, for a lot of these guys. And same for some of the other guys too. Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, all of these games matter and it's time to rise to the occasion. And I think that just kind of adds something to it. So it's going to be a fun and furious finish to the year. I know all the numbers. You guys likely know all the numbers too for the Pelicans and the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies have the top strength of schedule remaining. They've got 16 road games. Uh, and out of, I think, 20, how many games do they have remaining? I guess I should look at that one. 28 games left. So they've got 16 road games, 12 home games. They have a rest disadvantage in eight of them, a rest advantage in seven of them, and five back-to-backs. They also travel 18,713 miles. Meanwhile, the Pelicans have the easiest strength of schedule remaining. They've got 14 road games compared to 13 home games. They have a rest advantage in six, a rest disadvantage in four. Four back-to-backs, meaning Zion's likely not going to play in four of those games. But they travel over uh, like 3,300 miles less, 15,445 Um, compared to the Memphis Grizzlies. So that's good. The numbers look good there. Memphis's schedule is tough, to be honest. But things are going to get a little wonky down the stretch for everyone involved, where Memphis may catch a break against certain teams, maybe Toronto too, um, that are resting their guys because they're kind of locked in on things. They'll play some guys, but they're going to be resting some of the other ones. So I think that is going to kind of create an issue. And in our Locked On Pelicans group chat, we kind of talked about the numbers on some of this stuff. Um, so basketball reference has Memphis projected to go 17, uh, 11 and 17 the rest of the way, which is not good. And so if they go 11 and 17, assuming the Pelicans have to have the, t- have the tiebreaker over them, the Pelicans need to go 16 and 11 to tie them for the same record and then be able to beat them out because they would have the uh, tiebreaker at that point. Having the tiebreaker is big and already having the tiebreaker over Portland's really big because it means you can tie them on record and you don't need to actually finish better than them. I don't know if Memphis is going to go 11 and 17. I think that is a very good team this year. They're young. They're growing. They've been improving too. And frankly, they've played good teams. So I know their schedule's tough, but they've beaten good teams before and they may catch some breaks with teams uh, resting. Now, New Orleans has an unbelievably easy closing schedule. They play Washington, San Antonio, Charlotte, Phoenix, Philadelphia, uh, Washington again, San Antonio again, Atlanta to start with there. You can get a bunch of wins there. Their final 12 games, basically, um, you could see them going something like 10-2 and two during it. But that's not always how it actually kind of falls out. But you also play against Golden State, Cleveland, Minnesota twice, Sacramento, Atlanta, Sacramento, New York. There's a lot of basically very, very winnable games. But we've seen that this team hasn't always taken care of business against those bad teams. They've lost twice. Now, it was different complexion of the team um, to the Golden State Warriors already. So I don't know if it's safe to say I trust them to just fully take care of business. Also, on the road, they haven't been particularly great. They're 12 and 15. You still have a number of road games remaining. I'm not expecting them to all of a sudden play 600 ball on the road. They've been playing 600 ball recently. 
Um, and they did in January when they kind of woke up. February, they went three and three so far in the month. So it's still a bit of a mixed bag, but they're playing much better. So I don't know if it's right to necessarily ascribe some of the records and wins and losses from earlier in the year to this team right now, which basically is to say that it's all an unknown. And that's not even factoring in a team like maybe the Portland Trailblazers who could get in. They're half a game up, I think, or one game up in the loss column over the Pelicans right now. They have the 25th easiest strength of schedule remaining. Um, Their road travels about 1,000 more than New Orleans. They have three back-to-backs, and the rest advantage is uh, eight for them, seven not. So their numbers are about same. The issue with them could be Damian Lillard and if he's healthy. And Terry Stott said something that, while you don't want to root for injuries, the fact that this has already happened and it is what it is, should maybe make you feel a little bit better saying it's a groin. These things can take a week. They can take a month. And he's not necessarily expected to be practicing with the team today when teams report back for practices, some yesterday too, kind of depending. So if he's not healthy, I don't know if they're going much further than where they are right now. And that could be a very big blow to their playoff chances and boost New Orleans up. But it's going to come down to Memphis, who's in the driver's seat right now and in theory controls their own destiny. They've been good. I get their schedule's tough, but I think they can beat some of those teams. John Morant has absolutely carried them late in games at times. When you have a clutch dude like that, that can get you pretty far as long as you keep things close. And he's been able to do that and then pull them over the line. They're coming together, they're improving too, and they've got a lot of youth that's looking very good. I'm not ready to rule them out. Again, I think if I were to give the Pelicans a chance here, it's 30% might be optimistic, but I think that's pretty good, all things considered. So Memphis is the one that you've got to take care of business against. You've got two games against them remaining. You've beaten them twice, so you can get the tiebreaker on them. If you pull both of those games, it pulls you a full two games in the standings closer, meaning you have a little bit more leeway maybe against some of the other teams. So I think that's a very big thing, too, that you can beat this team. But if they miss out on the playoffs, it was that 13-game losing streak that certainly is what put them in too big of a hole to climb out. If we had half a season remaining, I'd be all in on the Pelicans being able to do this. You give me 41 games, heck yeah, we're making the playoffs. I don't think that – I think they're going to come just short. I hope to be wrong on this. It's more of a numbers thing and making up five and a half games over 27 games is like a lot, particularly for a team that hasn't been great and isn't above 500 right now. But – It could be done, and if it was ever going to be a year, it seems like it'd probably be this year for the Pelicans to kind of make a run behind Zion. But keep in mind, he's not playing in some of those games, which could, could result in some losses, though we've seen some very complete team performances recently from him. But at the end of the day, they're going to be in competitive games down the stretch, games that matter. I love that. That's what you want out of this rookie year for Zion and the rest of these guys. Competitiveness and a fight. That's fun. We are going to have fun basketball down the stretch. We haven't been always able to say that, so you got to kind of love when that is an opportunity. So it's going to be a fight, and it's going to be a lot of fun, and I cannot wait for it. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Back with you all tomorrow at game day as we will preview the Portland Trailblazers and talk about everything we need to know about this team. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Cannot wait. Enjoy Mardi Gras if you're out there. Be safe, please. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow.